Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ambassadors Forum radio show here on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high-tech industry, and most importantly, bought and paid for, bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to answer life's hard questions the same way Jesus did. I have the incredible privilege of having one of the top Christian apologists in the country on our show today, Dr. Sean McDell. Sean is a gifted communicator with a passion for equipping the church, and in particular, young people, to make the case for the Christian faith. He delivers hard evidence and strong, logical support for viewing all areas of life through a biblical worldview, but he does so with humor, gentleness, and respect. He graduated summa cum laude from the Talbot Theological Seminary with a double master's degree in theology and philosophy and earned a PhD in apologetics and worldview studies from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in 2014. He travels around the world speaking to audiences on various topics of apologetics, is the co-host for the Think Biblically podcast. John, welcome to the program. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I want to start by asking how apologetics has played into your own story of faith. I always figured that with a famous dad who basically started the modern field of Christian apologetics, that you were probably doing textual criticism in grade school and discussing comparative religion curriculum around the dinner table. (laughs) Well, that is a fair assumption, but... My parents definitely engaged me through relationships, through example, but it wasn't like, son, sit down and read my book and give me a book book report, you know? It was strategic on his part, but always felt organic. We saw Mm -hmm. it modeled. And because my parents love it, they talked about it. And it was just a part of the conversation. I think it really came into play for me when I went through a period of questioning and doubt in college. And this is mid-90s when the internet was really just kind of hitting and people were getting email addresses and pre-Google, but you could find blogs. And I found these blogs responding to a lot of my dad's content. Hmm. And it was kind of that first moment of like, wow, there's really smart people who think he's wrong and they have their good reasons for it. Hmm. And needless to say, part of my journey was, okay, I got to figure this out for myself there's something about growing up, you need somebody else to say things, even if you learned it at home. And people like J.P. Moreland and William Lane Craig and a range of other thinkers, Greg Kokel, were just seminal in my own faith. Mm. And then now I teach and speak and write on apologetics. I think this generation, when they're given the right platform and treated a certain way, really want to ask tough questions. Mm. Yeah, that's for sure. And I know there's a ton of excellent resources out there on Christian apologetics. You you name just a few. There's so many. And I want to point our audience to your website, seanmcdowell.org. I'll leave a link on our website and at the radio. But I want to focus our conversation today more on the how you do apologetics than the what. Maybe a question, when you personally are preparing to teach on an apologetics topic, how do you get prepared? Do you read a bunch of apologetics books? Do you dive into the Bible? Do you start talking with people and kind of let the vision emerge out of those conversations? Do you just jump in and and kind of see what happens? What works well for you? 
So I recently wrote a talk and just delivered it on cancel culture, mm-hmm. which is not just an apologetic topic, but there's overlap there. And it's the same way I approach apologetics is I'll get a few books that are out there and they on different perspectives. I'll just Google, see what people are saying, maybe watch a video or two. I will write down and just brainstorm and look for any experiences that I have that might weigh into this. And then I start thinking of the structure of what I want to communicate and how I want to communicate it. Mm. So the first thing is just really figuring out, okay, what do I believe about this and why do I believe it? I want to read different perspectives, try to be as open as I can to where the evidence leads, and then come to a conclusion in my mind where I stand. And then think about now, how do I communicate and teach Mm. this in a way that's biblical and helpful and other people get it. So I guess you could say step one, research, think. Step right. two, organize. And then step three, deliver. And a part of the thinking, like when I was doing this talk on cancel culture, I started thinking, what experiences are there in the Bible of being canceled? And I was like, oh, Luke chapter seven, mm. the sinful woman at the Pharisee's house, <laughs> three times we're told she's a great sinner. Right? Why? Because- The author wanted us to know that she effectively was canceled and viewed through that lens. And the Pharisee says, Jesus should not have been talking with him. Mm. She should be canceled. So Mm. I'm like, that's a powerful passage. I bring that into my teaching. I love how you line that out there in those three easy steps. I think a lot of times it's such a fast paced culture that people jump in to deliver, right? They read something, they do something and they're like immediately respond with whatever their message is going to be. And if people would take the time to do a little bit of research, a little bit of organization of their own thoughts, I think it would help the conversation. So fantastic. And I think you role model that. It, It reminds me of a time recently with one of my daughters and I've been teaching the kids Bible stories. We've been talking about kind of like what you said within your growing up. It was just sort of organic. It's always a topic of discussion, the Bible and Jesus and faith. And it was funny because I've been doing this with her for a long time. And she said, hey, I got a question. And I was giving her my opinion. And she's like, no, dad, just give me the Bible verses. And I want to go look it up. And I want to decide for myself. Wow. Wow. And I, you have wow. <laughs> at first, I was like, "What?" <laughs> but then I thought, you know what? Cool. Like that's good. I'm glad she's taken that thought of like, "Hey, it's not that I don't want your opinion, but let me go form my own opinion first, and then mm. let's engage." And I thought, man, what a picture of where the culture is today. And that shows you've trained her well <laughs> to think for herself. Number one, sure, care what the scriptures say. That's powerful. Yeah. But one thing I try to do, it's hard for me because I'm a teacher and a researcher and a communicator. So I feel like I have an opinion on things, (laughs) but you know, it's just my downfall. But what I try to do with my kids and I train myself was my kids say, Hey, I'm curious about this. I'll go, Oh, Hey, I'll tell you what I think, but tell me what spurred on your curiosity on that topic. Yeah. Yeah. That's And I'll ask questions like, okay, if you had to guess right now, tell me what you think and why I'll ask questions and try to help them and figure out what do they want? How do I reason with them? Because Jesus asked a ton of questions, even when he knew the answer for a range of different reasons. So that's a very practical strategy. Sometimes in a sermon, it's more powerful to ask a question rather than to make a statement. Sometimes on social media, it's more powerful to just ask a question 
than to make a statement. And in relationships, it's often more powerful to ask a question, whether discipleship or evangelism, than make a statement. Yeah, that's great. I think that idea of asking questions to get at the root of it, definitely a biblical concept, definitely something that Jesus did himself. Well, I think the Bible kind of describes, at least in my research and experience with apologetics, the Bible describes two aspects of apologetics. One as a form of evangelism, so kind of helping unbelievers figure out where some false beliefs or false assumptions might be and and correcting those. And then two, as a form of discipleship for believers, where they know why they believe what they believe and it strengthens their faith. I think you've done a fantastic job living out that admonition at the end of 1 Peter 3.15, which is like the classical Bible text for apologetics. And that's to do all of this in gentleness and respect. I've watched a couple of your videos lately. You did one with Drew McCoy that I thought was excellent. One a while ago Mm. with John Steingard, where, I mean, you had real disagreements with, but I think both of them and probably many others walked away feeling like, you know, that was cool. I think John even said something about like, yeah, Sean said he described himself as like my friend, like. Oh, that's weird. Like, but we disagree. Can we be friends if we disagree? And it's like the culture is saying, no, if someone disagrees with you, you, they're your enemy. I think you do a fantastic job demonstrating, role modeling that gentleness and respect. Is that something that came natural for you? Did you kind of stumble upon that through not being gentle and respectful one time? And you're like, oh my God, that was a disaster. (laughs) How did you land there? I've just had a lot of friends who are former Christians. Mm. I've had a lot of friends who've struggled with their sexuality. I've heard a whole lot of stories Mm. of people hurting that have not been given the love from the church Mm. that they deserve. Mm. And it breaks my heart. You mentioned that conversation with Drew. A part of that came out of, he did a response to a video I did. I reached out to him. We had a conversation And he just told me a lot of stories about Mm. heartbreaking ways that Christians, frankly, had canceled him when he doubted his faith. I've just opened myself up Mm. to hear stories and experiences of people who've been hurt that way. And when you enter into somebody's perspective, when you enter into where they're coming from, even if you disagree, I think it humbles us and gives us a kind of compassion and we should do that because that's exactly what Jesus did taking on human flesh. He entered into our experience. Yeah. So I just get tired of us versus them, shouting at people, canceling people. Very few people, Roy, are willing to go, you know what? I'm going to listen. I'm going to understand. I'm going to try to see where you're coming from. And even if I think you're wrong, I'm going to try to lead with grace. Yeah. All I can tell you is the more I do this, I'm aware of my own failures, but that's by God's grace what I try to do. Oh, well, I, like I said, I think it is a example I hope all of us can follow because I think it's biblical and it's also working. Now, another question I had was you really seem to be engaging a lot on social media, kind of leveraging the technology. And how important has that been in the last couple of years, especially moving from just written material, writing books, even giving lectures, but really engaging on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. Do you think that's the future of apologetics, that social media platform? Yeah, I jumped on a social media for a few reasons. Number one, I could just see the culture shifting. 
people are not reading as many books. Yeah. It used to be you go back 10, 20, 30 years, you'd reach people through speaking, curriculum, books, radio show. Like those seem to be the main ways you could reach people. Now, I still think those are important and I'm still writing books, but I'm also going, wow, if I'm going to reach people, there's other platforms I have to adopt. So I think there's been a Mm. radical shift Mm. in apologetics. So certain people, for example, people like Mike Winger now has a huge following. He's a local pastor who figured out how to do apologetics well. Yeah. And he's got a massive platform. <laughs> now, fortunately, he is biblical and he is smart and he yep. is gracious. Yeah. There's a lot of people with a big platform that aren't. Yeah. But the gatekeepers to doing apologetics or similarly like to writing any book or getting a record deal are gone. You can go straight to people. Yeah. And those who figured out how to do that are having an impact. Mm. So that's broadly speaking, I started to notice that shift and it had been in my mind for a while. When COVID hit, it kind of really forced my hand because (laughs) I was doing a little on social media, was not as focused as I needed to be. Mm. And frankly, there was a season where you and I know, I was like, I don't know if I'll ever speak again. I don't know if the world is ending. (laughs) Like it was just this, everything was unseated. And I thought, okay, I've got to figure out a way to communicate with people. So Mm. I really started pouring myself into my YouTube channel, Mm. which has been fun because when I started paying any attention to it, I had about 8,000 and I just noticed this morning hit 80,000 subscribers. Oh, goodness. Cool. And I only mentioned that it just shows that if you stick with something and produce good content you can make a difference in people. So that was cool. But the other piece was my son said to me, he was 16. He goes, dad, if you want to reach my generation, you need to get on TikTok. Mm. And I said, okay, tell me about that. (laughs) And I started listening to so many young people. There's a ministry through Instagram. There's a ministry through Twitter, not as many young people on Twitter. And there's a ministry through TikTok. Mm. So I can't do it all. And sometimes it feels like the monkey on my back, like you just got to keep producing content. Mm. But I'm amazed worldwide how many people you can minister to if you do it well. So I think the future of apologetics, I don't think the old media is gone. I'm going to still write books, but not put as much time and energy there. I'm going to add these things on top of it as well. Mm. I was at a kind of a college scouting trip with my daughter. She ended up at Biola, by the way, so you'll probably cool. see <laughs> But when we were kind of looking at colleges, we were at Wheaton, and we met another young prospective student, and, and he's like, so what do you do? And I'm like, oh, you know, apologetics. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. And he's like, yeah, I have an apologetics ministry. The kid was like, I think he was a junior or sophomore in high school, so really ahead of the game in terms of college scouting. But he said, he's like, yeah, I have an apologetics ministry on TikTok at like 16. And I'm wow. like, what? <laughs> and so I same same kind of thing. I'm like, wow, that is so cool that these young people are not only understanding the Bible and apologetics and biblical worldview, but they're looking for ways to reach their own generation. And I thought they're going to be the ones that are really successful at this. Are there some teenager apologists that are just killing it out there or there are yeah there's a few and i try to encourage them and you know mentor as i can but i came across one yesterday i was like wow you got a ton of followers you're doing good creative work there are teen apologists now of course muslims are on there and sure skeptics are on there and 
Mormons are on there and progressive Christians. Everybody's speaking in. That's another way that apologetics has changed. But mm-hmm. there are some sharp young apologists creating good content on TikTok. You know, one concern I have is we have all these stories of deconstruction. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people were put in positions of leadership, you know, on stage to worship in their 20s. Right. Now we have some people with a platform trying to make a difference at 13, 15, 17 years old, even younger, mm. without wisdom and mentoring. I wonder what that means in a decade from now. Mm. That's something wow. that I pray for. That's insightful. And do you think those kids are out there looking for mentors and just not finding them? Or you think they're just like, I've got 5,000, 10,000, 50,000 followers, and I'm just in such a tidal wave. I don't know which way is up. Oh, I'm sure there's most of them would appreciate someone pouring into them. I'm sure they're looking for mentors and I'm sure it's well-meaning. I'm just saying, what does anybody know at 15? Yeah. What do you really know at 18? Yeah. That's my only concern. I'm not Mm. blaming them. I'm saying this is a responsibility of the church. I want them to do it. The other reason I'm on TikTok is to try to model and encourage them as I can. Mm. Is there a strategy that you've seen successful in encouraging parents and grandparents to just make the Bible a steady part of their home life and their spiritual diet together? The first thing to do, hands down, is to make sure you study the Bible, Mm. you think about the Bible you memorize scripture. You can talk until you're blue in the face, but if kids don't see it lived out, it's not going to mean anything to them. That's good. I listen to a podcast almost every day that breaks down scripture. I've been memorizing a verse a week. I just try to talk and incorporate scripture into my relationships with my kids. And when issues come up, you know, here's a passage that could give us some wisdom Mm. and just model it. Mm. That's step number one. I think if you just simply live out your faith and love the scriptures and read the scriptures and learn the scriptures, kids will adopt that. Most kids adopt their parents' political views. Mostly. (laughs) There's exceptions. And some of that is just caught, not even taught. So I'd look within. And then there's some specific things you can do, like bringing it in to dinner time you know, very practical things as well to get kids engaged. Mm. But that's the first step. Before we get some plan, start studying the scripture, listen to podcasts, talk about it naturally with your kids. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, love Lord God, your heart, soul, your mind, your strength, and talk about these things when you lie down, when you get up, when you're on the road, when you are at home, just naturally incorporate it into the rhythm of life. Well, one of my favorite books that you've written is Apologetics for a New Generation. For those listeners who aren't familiar with that book, describe your motivation in writing that book and maybe the main takeaways. Yeah, so that book, it's a compilation and I wrote some of it, but also brought in some other thinkers. And usually compilation books don't do as well, but that book (laughs) is done really, really well. I think it hit a nerve. Where people Mm -hmm. sensed culture is changing on the questions people are asking. Mm. So we still need apologetics. Jesus was an apologist. Paul was an apologist. Some of the early church fathers were called apologists. Mm. So there's a history to that term apologetics, but it's a new day. Mm. And that new day involves new issues, Mm, new means of communication. 
and a new way to do apologetics. Mm. So that book, a part of it is here's some new issues we need to talk about. There's a chapter on race. What's the intersection with race and apologetics? There's a chapter on LGBTQ. Like these are hot current topics, but there's also chapters on how do you do apologetics, Mm. building relationships, listening well. So it's both. And I think usually books are either how to do it or what to believe. And that book having both, I think people have found is both practical and insightful. I think that's another thing that you do really well, Sean, is you seem to have your finger on the pulse of culture and staying very relevant. Is there something practical that you do or that's a part of your life that kind of keeps you in touch with what's going on in our culture today? Here are some things all of us can do. I listen to a ton of podcasts on 1.5 1.5 to double speed. <laughs> when I, my wife hates it, but I do when I'm driving, yeah. when I'm working out. I was watching my son practice this morning, had an earbud in on the other side because I want to watch a practice just from a distance, sure. but I was listening to a podcast. Yeah, you know, yeah. Not so yeah. much that I'll let it interrupt my relationships, but I'm using my time. So I'm sure. always listening to what people think. I follow a ton of blogs. So every morning I try to find at least 20, 30 minutes where I read through blogs because I want to see what people are saying. I want to see what issues are talked about, how they're talking about it. Mm. And then I'll retweet articles that are helpful. But that's a discipline I do almost every day. And I just read a lot of books. Mm. Mm. I'm reading a book probably every couple days, depending on which book it is. So for the podcast and my YouTube channel, it takes me time. But I actually read most of the books myself in depth because I want to ask the best questions. I want to understand the issues I want to learn rather than just having someone else come up with the questions. Mm. So that's really good. I think anybody could follow a few blogs. Anybody could listen to a few podcasts and stay pretty in touch by doing that. And you know, and the other thing I do is I'm always looking for trends and trying to piece things together. So I'm always kind of watching, looking for certain signs and then piece it together. I kind of study and just watch culture as best I can. Oh, that's super helpful. Well, the final question I asked your dad when I interviewed him on this show almost a year ago exactly was, what is the most important message you have or the most important suggestion you have for Christian apologists today? And without skipping a beat, he said, be mentored. He said it was the most important thing in any apologist Hmm. development and one that he thought that so few people really understood. So my last question is, who has been your mentor or mentors and how has that impacted you? No question more than anybody else. My dad has shaped my life and Mm. my thinking. Different seasons in life had different mentors. I Mm -hmm. think that's the way it's supposed to be. But in terms of my thinking and approach to apologetics would be people that I've mentioned like Greg Kokel, mm. J.P. Moreland, William Lane Craig. They've had a huge influence on my life. Jay Warner Wallace mm. is a personal friend mm. and a mentor of mine. I think of someone named Rob Lone in college and shortly thereafter was a huge mentor mm. that had a massive influence on my life for that season. My basketball coaches Mm. at Biola, huge influence. And my coach still at times, I'll catch up with him and he'll encourage me in different ways. So those are probably some of the key key mentors. Mm. Well, cool. I am so excited. You're going to be here in three weeks 
or so in person. You're going to have some fantastic talks. So as a reminder to everybody, you can go to our website, theambassadorsforum.com to register for the conference and hear Sean McDowell and others just explain some fantastic concepts in a really clear, engaging way. So thanks for the interview today, Sean. Keep up the good work. Thanks for having me on. All right. Now, how about you? Is it easy for you to get so focused on the what of apologetics that you forget about the who? Do you think of apologetics as a way to win an argument rather than a way to make a friend? Jesus gave us an example in his earthly ministry of how to proclaim the truth, but to do it in a way that the receiver knew it was motivated by love and kindness, not judgment or arrogance. I want to remind you one more time that Sean McDowell will be one of the main speakers at our conference on October 8th and 9th. It'll be a virtual conference this year and totally free. You can go to our website at theambassadorsforum.com for more information and to register. We will cover topics like critical social justice, biblical worldview, atheist arguments against the Bible, science, philosophy, and more, all from a biblical perspective. Perhaps the best part of the conference is that you will have lots of opportunities to engage with the speakers directly through our many question and answer forums. Finally, thank you for joining us on the radio today. You can join us every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on True Talk 800 a.m. KPDQ. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 